Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Voices of Rodon. It is your host, Anthony Perez, and my co-host here, Allison Ray. And today's topic will be about, we mentioned it I think like two weeks ago, but it's going to be about um, our plans for presidency if we would become president of the United States. Um, this topic is going to be more about like what we would focus on if we were president. Like, I believe it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, he focused on like environmental changes. Um, Obama focused on like undoing all the stuff that the recession was doing to the American people back in like 2009. Trump's um, was like immigration stuff and undoing all the progress that we made. So, um, me personally, as a marine biologist who wants to study and work with corals, I would focus on the environmental aspect of those, like studying them out. Um, I would probably apply more like stricter regulations on fisheries to limit the amount that we could like hunt fish especially tuna. Um, I would also, hmm. I think I'm not like a political science major by any means, so it's like kind of hard to like know exactly what a president would do, but um, that'd be just one change I would do. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, um, a hundred percent. I would try to change the fuel that we use as a country because a lot of the global warming that's happening is because of our fuel source, which is like fossil fuels and coal and shit, which produce a lot of emissions so i would try to like be greener on that aspect as well um i would also try to like look and devote more money into research on how we could find cleaner methods of energy um how i could like limit companies from doing so much waste and finding an alternative to plastic bags. Because I never realized it until like I really opened my mind. We use a lot of plastic bags. And I realized this working at Walgreens. Um we would have boxes of plastic bags which had like a thousand in it, I believe, if I remember correctly. In each box. One thousand. And we had multiple of them, and they were gone in a week. And that is just in one Walgreens store. Imagine every other store for Walgreens 
imagine every other brand and all of their stores. Like it's insane. Imagine a one Walmart, one singular Walmart. Like that is a lot of plastic we're making. And that's just in bags that you use to take your groceries. That's not even like plastic wrapping from products, plastic containers for products, plastic products itself, like that is insane the amount of plastic that we're using. And most of the time it winds up in the ocean. So, I'm totally announce something for the companies that like relax on how much stuff they're producing that ends up as waste. Um, I'm not sure what you would do, but like that's just like the surface for me. Yeah. So one of the big things that I would hit on, if I was president would be the justice system so the justice system in the u.s is pretty messed up um they it has i think a repeat rate right around it's more than 50 percent. i think it's right around like two out of three people who get released are back in prison within like three years of being released and there's a few different reasons for this um one is probably just how our prisons are set up in general another one is after you get out of prison especially with how long a lot of our sentences are for just like basic things like drug possession stuff like that i mean if you are in possession of drugs, you can face, like, five years in prison. That's a long time for having, like, weed, for example. Um, and that's just federal punishment. That's not even, like, um, you know, state punishment. But um, Oh, yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's, and that's a long time to be in prison. A lot of people end up getting... Even if they're just, like, in for basic charges like that, they end up getting kind of used to the system, and it's impossible for them to basically be able to break that. Um, they become, I don't know the word for it, I think it's, like, a doctrine is the word for it, maybe. Um, and then after they get out, there's no help for them at all. Nowhere, no one will hire them because they are convicted felons and 99% of places will not hire you if you are one. So they have literally, for the most part, people who get out of jail have really no other choice than to, you know, commit crimes again to get back in there. Which mm -hmm. is really not great. And then there's the whole fact that we have like private jail systems which you can just end up in um which get basically more money the more um convicts they have i believe more people who are incarcerated so they're even more less likely to you know try and um rehabilitate the people that they have there and whenever i'm looking at stuff like this i'm looking at like um 
Norway's prison system, for example. They have a very, very, very kind of well-set-up prison system. In the 90s, um, they had right around the same um, rate of people recommitting crimes. It was right around like 60 to 70. It was really high percent of people would recommit crimes and go back into prison. Well, in the 90s, they were like, let's kind of try and make this better. And now they're down to only 20% of people who get released go back into prison. Which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, well, now it's a little more. But once that statistic came out, it was like 10 years from when they started changing. Going from 60 to 70% to only 20 in like 10 to 15 years is insane. Um, so some of the stuff that they do is they kind of give their prisoners a lot more freedom. Um, they try and kind of, um, make their spaces represent comfort and healing and inclusivity. I don't know if I said that word right. That's a long word. Anyways, um... Where the U.S. prison system is nothing like that. They don't really care. Um, If you've ever watched, um, I don't want to say prison shows, but like, for example, um, the Scared Straight programs where you actually get like a really good insight into prison systems in the U.S. and stuff like that. Um, They're pretty dirty. They're very... um, gang affiliated they don't really care about helping you or healing you um you're locked up 99% of the day stuff like that um and I mean like I said when you have a place that's like that you're locked up 99% of the day you're very 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 regimented you're going to end up having a lot of repeat offenders because they don't know how to operate once they are given um their freedom back there's no like you know Mm. inching into it there's no really helping them get into it it's just like they just kind of throw you out in the open and they're like there you go don't commit crimes again please which is not a good way to do it at all um for example like the prisons in norway they don't even have, like, bars in their prisons for the most part. They have, like, open-style cells instead. Even at, like, their maximum security prisons. Um, each prisoner has, like, their own toilet and shower and fridge and their own TV. Um, they have access to kitchens. They all cook for themselves and stuff like that. They have common areas that they can hang out in. Which is a lot different from the U.S. one, where usually you're in... A very very tiny cell that you're only sharing you're sharing with like one or two other people you know you all use the same toilet everyone on your cell block generally uses the same shower you're behind bars the whole time don't have tv or anything like that except for maybe in your recreation areas um yeah they um the norway ones also allow you to be able to do things like enroll in yoga classes or learn like skills like woodworking which is I think big thing over Norway um 
They even have access to studios such as like music studios and art studios, stuff like that. Um, and they really try and kind of create a peaceful atmosphere to try and help heal their prisoners rather than like a hatred and violent one like the U.S. has. And you can't really, I mean, it obviously works. You can't really argue with their results from the fact that they went from 60-70% to only like 20% of people repeating. They're actually making, you know, prisoners feel like they're humans instead of subhuman, like our prisoner prison system generally does. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm reading this all based off of an article for the most part, but even gives an example of, um, they also don't give life sentences. That's another thing. They do not give life sentences for anything in Norway anymore. Um, because they're really focused on rehabilitating people instead of keeping them in jail and keeping them in the system. Um, for example, there's um, one person that they interviewed that was com convicted of murder. Um, he's serving. He was serving 15 years, and in this interview, he um, was talking about like what he's done in prison, basically. And he's currently like publishing a cookbook. He's received, um, he got like a diploma for graphic design. Um, he's studying physics and wants to go into higher education once his sentence is like done. Which in Norway, higher education is free as well, which is nice. But, um, which is so different from like what is generally done at U.S. prisons. I mean, if you're lucky, maybe you'll be able to get like go to classes to do your GRE, which is like your high school exam, basically, if you're lucky. Um, they don't really learn that many kind of productive or valuable life skills. Some of them do, sure, like, um, but a lot of them don't. They just kind of stay in their cells the whole time. Some of the private prisons will have them make things like license plates and stuff like that, but that's not really a valuable skill because that's not really done in other places except for prisons. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, no, I think same because, like, for example, um, I, one of my mom's friends has a son who went to jail for, I think, either two or three years, but it was only on, like, a traffic violation. And they give like the most absurd sentences to people of color because he is yeah. he's a black male and he got like the most maximum sentence on that thing. It's like I don't think a like yeah, a traffic violation is serious because it could lead to an accident and all that stuff. But it's nowhere near as serious as all these other crimes that people get less and sometimes not even found guilty of. Which is insane. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. It's very, very disproportionate. Um, the... What do I want to say? Anything, really, that has to do with the justice system and um, mm -hmm. people of color versus people who are white. For example, um, 
Um, I that's not what I wanted. Um, if you just look at all like the Black Lives Matter matter stuff and stuff like that, um, it's really mm. obvious that people of color are generally um, targeted more um, than you know people who are white. For example, like I saw a lot of videos when all that was going on of people who were white that were standing with like um, Black Lives Matter movement. They were having to form mm -hmm. like lines in front of like the black or Hispanic um, protesters to try and kind of make sure that they're not getting the shit beat out of them. Because the cops weren't really going after people who were white during those movements. They were generally just focusing on people of color, which is really stupid. Um, yeah, I can't find the statistic right now, but the rate of, like, people who are in jail who are people of color is, I know, significantly higher than people who are not. Okay, here's, well, gives numbers instead, but that works. Um, for example, in Wisconsin... The amount of imprisonment rate per 100K residents, 2,700 of them are black, 400 are 475 are Latino, and only 230 are white. 2,743 are black. That's insane. And that goes to a few different things. Um... It goes to what you were talking about. It also goes into people of color not being given the same opportunities as, um, you know, people who are white and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, like, I, I live in a place um, that's very not well off. It's, like, one of the lowest-cost housing places in the U.S. Um, and we see that everywhere here, right? All of the suburbs, for the most part, have maybe a few Hispanic kids, but for the most part, it's only white. And then the inner-city schools are pretty much only um, people of color. Um, and guess which one gets more funding, has more activities, and stuff like that. Yeah. Go to our call because I go to college there. Go to the college to see what it has to offer, and stuff like that. It's the people who are in the suburbs. For example, we do um, a thing where we basically have high schools come into um, our STEM program. They get to like come to my building where I work at on campus and see it. We talk to them about three D printing. They go to um, other areas of campus as well to learn about STEM. And I don't think we've had any of the, um, in the last year, I don't think we had any of the inner city schools there. And that's not necessarily like, because we don't go out to schools and ask them to. Um, the schools basically ask us to. They What I'm trying to say is they don't care, because it's free too, they don't care about trying to give their kids better opportunities either. Or show them that there is a better path. 
And that's, that's, that's another thing I would want to work on is like giving people who are in inner cities who are, um, you know, people of color, a lot more opportunities. Um, that's one thing we try and do at our job. For example, we were working with some inner city school groups to do like camps with them where we would teach them about robotics and 3d printing. Um, and try and show them that there are like pathways once they graduate, whether it's um, going to college or like learning a trade, stuff like that. Um, and we were, for normal kids, it like costs like 150 bucks, but we had like scholarships that they could sign up for. So we got a lot of kids who did it for free, who are from inner city schools and were people of color, which is awesome. But yeah. That's another thing that I would probably focus on is like helping those marginalized groups basically be able to have actual opportunities so they don't have to kind of go into um, life of crime just to make ends meet type of stuff. Yeah. But those are my like kind of two main. I guess it's really one main thing because that also helps address the system, but that also goes intertwined with it. Um, um, I would all. With my stuff, huh? Nope, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, with my stuff, uh, I found more stuff that I would be interested in. Um, one of them is. The regulation of air pollution that we have, so obviously we release a whole bunch of stuff in the air that's not good for us, but this was more prominent back in the, I want to say, in the 70s and 80s and possibly 90s. Um, I forget what the chemical was called, but it was very prominent in hairsprays. And you know how the hairstyles back then were like, very like needy on the hairsprays mm-hmm. and oh yeah um all those uh those chemicals started going into the air to the point that it started affecting the ozone layer and then we started banning those chemicals and the ozone layer now is actually like regaining some of itself again which is good obviously um but yeah i would also be interested in like being strict on the air pollution that we let out. Um, I would also be very wary with the water pollution because not only does that affect us and our drinking water, but it also affects the animals in the water itself, for obvious reasons. And it could even affect the plants, which then later on has a consequence for the animals because then they can't eat some animals rely on like either seagrass forest or kelp forest for their home and to breed and then once that dies they get affected by it um a whole bunch of pesticides goes into the water which goes into the fish that we eat which could harm us at the end of that cycle um, and another thing was the carbon sequestration 
which is basically like when carbon's removed from the atmosphere and it's like held in a non-gas state. Um, trees and the oceans are really good uh, carbon sequestrators. I guess you would say that. Um, there's also, like I was saying, um, ways that I could regulate businesses to be better for the environment. Um, you could incentivize them with like financial incentives to put in like environmental friendly practices. Um, there was a classic like, oh, let's not use plastic straws, let's do paper straws because you know they're biodegradable and stuff. Um, I would do that, but with the plastic bags, like I was saying earlier. We just release so much plastic that's not good. And um, scientists recently, I believe it was this year, they found that there's been evidence of like microplastics in the bloodstream of some people, which is ridiculous because how, what do you mean you have plastic in your like what? That's crazy. Um, Yeah, I would definitely focus on the environment stuff, but I'd also focus on endangered species. So I would be a lot more stricter with protecting our endangered animals, like the Florida panther. I think, I know for a fact there's less than like a thousand of them in the wild, but I think it goes down to like less than a hundred. Um, I know there's hunting that goes around in the Everglades, the Burmese python, but I don't think that's enough because those python populations are still going crazy in the Everglades and they're like killing our wildlife really badly. So I would probably like provide incentives for like getting rid of those pythons. So they're eating our wildlife, they're taking up too much space, they're like, they're relocating their prey to somewhere else because honestly if you have a lot of predators in an area you're not going to go over there because you're going to try to avoid all of that um and focus on the species that's how deer are here they're way overpopulated it's crazy you know the burning python is our deer over here um and a lot of people hunt deer, but there's just that many. It's just because they don't have any natural predators here anymore. Because we got rid of most of the wolves and coyotes and stuff. Bears. Um, <clears throat> the way that we're trying to get rid of the burning python right now is by eliminating all the food sources that they eat. But... That's not really doable, I don't think, because you're basically removing all the animals in that area. And it's hard because they were most likely pets that were brought over here to Florida and then got too big and were released. And then now 
because they don't have like a real real predator. The only exception to that is like us and alligators. And even then they get really big. Yeah, that'd be my like changes. And for his thesis, um In, uh, protecting endangered, almost extinct animals, like the Florida panther. Um, the fossil fuel alternative, lowering the greenhouse gases, um, trying to do something about global warming because it brings me back to my major. Um, the global warming is affecting the corals because Honestly, the water is getting hot. It's getting hotter. And the corals, when they get too hot, go through a process called coral bleaching, which they release all the organisms within themselves, which makes them lose their color. So they turn white and they rely on those organisms because they get the food and energy from them. Well, they get like protection from the coral itself. But once they don't have that, they kind of like die. Since they don't have those organisms in there. And there's been sightings of corals actually being bioluminescent when it's too hot. Because that release of light actually like cools them down. So yeah, corals do glow sometimes when they're like in severe stress. So even though it's pretty, it's also sad because you know what they're going through. Um, if we lose our corals, <laughs> I actually had an argument or a discussion, I should say, not an argument, but I had a discussion with our former guest, our, um, Alan. He was saying, why do we need corals? They're not important. I was so offended. Oh my God. I was like, are you for real? People think corals are not animals. They think that they're rocks, and that's not what they are. They are animals. They are living organisms, and they actually provide like a very important, multiple important roles in not only keeping us safe but like providing us food. Corals give fishes their hope. Like if you don't have coral reefs, you lose a lot of the fish population. And then on top of that, they protect us from hurricanes by like obstructing the waves and stuff. And <clears throat> if we lose those reefs, we lose the food source, we lose protection against hurricanes, and some countries just depend on tourism from those coral reefs to actually financially support themselves. And now you might also even have countries' financials being um, affected because we lost coral reefs. And then Florida has them, but you know, we're in like near very hot water, we're near the equator, and the reefs are under Florida. For the most part, they're like, in the greater Everglades, where it's underneath Florida, like near the Keys, and then to the east of Florida as well. Um, 
that's where the main coral reefs of Florida are. And I just recently learned in my ecology class that you would expect animals that live in hotter areas to be well adapted to the heat and to think that they could take a little bit more in the meantime that we deal with the climate crisis. But the thing is, it's actually the opposite where those animals are already at the limit of heat that they could take. So they could actually take colder temperatures by a little bit, but not, they can't really go that much higher. Because that's the limit of what they have already adapted to. And I found that interesting. And that's like a big sign of like, hey, we need to stop because if we keep on, these animals are just going to burn to death. Like they can't control their like heat regulation when it's that hot. And I've noticed it, like every summer has been consistently hotter than the last for years now. Yeah, but that's what I would focus on if I'm president. So. Yeah. I would also focus some on the environment, specifically like emissions mm-hmm. around here where I grew up um, back in the day, right? We had a lot of like steel mills, we had a lot of leather work, stuff like that. Yeah. We still have some. They release a lot of not good stuff into the environment. Um, for example, my grandma would always say um, when she was a kid, everyone's houses, even if they were white, they would be black. Just from all the soot in the air. Jesus. Like, being on their houses. They'd have to, like, wash them off, and then the next week they'd be black again. Um, and stuff like that. So we've really fucked it up in the past. Um, we really need to try and fix it. <laughs> um... It was bad for the environment. It was also bad for the people living there. For example, my grandma, we just found out, has COPD. And that was probably why. was because, um, you know, she lived right next to a steel mill and a leatherworks. And they both released a lot of very, very bad chemicals into the air. Um, So, yeah, that's another thing I would really focus on is trying to, you know, cut down emissions. it's a really big issue with uh, just the world in general right now. So, yeah. So, Guy, do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's it for the topic. It's pretty much just like get my plans. And even though they don't seem that much, realistically, in only like a term of four years, you need to get through this through all the courts and stuff and the house and the senate and it's a mess especially if you don't have um like a perfectly politically aligned house and senate the same as you so if you don't like have the house or senate or even both in your favor it's gonna be rough about four years that you probably won't get a whole lot done but that's what I would want in my first four years. All right. Well, that was what we would do as presidents. Um, 
If you guys liked listening, please give us a like, a follow, subscribe, whatever it is, wherever you're listening. It helps us out. Helps kind of, you know, new people find us, stuff like that. So it's great. Um, next week, we will not be doing a podcast. Next week is actually Labor Day here in the U.S. Um, next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, one of my brothers, one of the many, are actually also coming into town because it's also his birthday. So I'm going to be spending time with him all week. So we will not be doing one next week. But Guy, would you like to tell the listeners what we're going to be doing on September 11th? Yeah, so pretty, not for next week, for the week after that, um, I had like an interesting, fun little idea where we would be asking ourselves and our viewers, um, if one, would you want powers? Like, I'm talking about like superpowers, like stuff you see in Marvel or DC. Would you want powers? Yes or no? If you had powers, what would they be? Would they have like any limitations? Would they be unlimited? Would you have multiple? Would you have a single power? And if you did have powers, would you be a hero, a villain, or just a regular person with powers? And would you have like a a uniform, I guess, or like a costume or a look or something. But yeah, um, I was kind of inspired because of She-Hulk, where she was a regular person, and then she came in contact with the Hulk's blood and became the Hulk, or She-Hulk, and now she has to deal with that, like, well, I was a person now, I had my own career, but... Now I have powers. So that's kind of where I got the idea from. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. And we might be having a guest star as well. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun. So come back to listen to If We Had Powers, what would they be on September 11th? And have a great week Mm -hmm. until then.